dude. What do you mean you forgot to record the interview with Grinch? I know we call ourselves amateurs, but you're taking that way too seriously. Like, uh, man, tell me you at least got Brad to do uh, an insult intro so we don't have to make up another one of those things. One, two, three, four. Welcome to Amateur Hour. My name is Chris Davis, and um, <laughs> this is our bonus Patreon episode uh, where we uh, give extra thanks to our Patreon members. Uh, we had four awesome Patreon members this year. We had Zach Leishner, Unused Substitutes Podcast, and uh, we had two other Patreon members, both of which uh, contributed to an amount to where they could be featured on an episode. Um, ben did two awesome interviews, one with uh, Grinch and one with Brad Buxkowski. Uh, I think I said that right, Brad. Um, unfortunately, as you heard in our intro, uh, Ben forgot to hit the record button on a 40-minute conversation he had with Grinch. Um, Grinch is really awesome. You know, heads up to Milltown Operatives. Uh, we actually recorded an episode with him last year, so if you guys want to go back and listen to that one, <laughs> I'm sure it's really good still. And, uh, yeah, um, I guess after Ben realized what had happened, it was like at the end of the interview, he talked to Grinch and, they decided they didn't want to reenact the conversation they just had. So uh, I guess that's just a uh, talk the two of them will have and none of us are going to be privy to. Um, so I don't know. If two soccer nerds have a conversation that wasn't recorded on a podcast, did it really happen? I don't know. Maybe Ben just didn't want to, you know, do two interviews in one day, which I understand. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, so we have an awesome interview with Brad. At least I assume it's awesome. Uh, for you in a minute, but I just want to update you guys real quick on League Two. Uh, the playoffs have been set for League Two. We have um, the host and all that. Uh, the the Bantams, who are the fourth seed technically, as the wild card spot, they actually are hosting the Southern Conference, um, which is pretty awesome. Uh, they are going to be having their games on Friday night. I assume they're going to be streaming. They 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 haven't streamed this year, but they also have. Um, kind of uh, been recording the games and uploading them later, so I assume they'll just kind of speed up that timeline and just stream them live, at least I hope so, as, you know, someone who can't make it down there on Friday night because of the, uh, you know, working and all that. I'm actually taking a break at work right now to record this. Um, super professional. But uh, they are playing, um, looks like Calvary here. I'm just looking at this little bracket here. Yeah, Brazos Valley Calgary. Calvary at uh, 7.30 p.m. on July 19th, and two Minta are playing the Villages Soccer Club at 5 p.m. that same day. The winner plays July 21st, Sunday at 7.30 p.m. And then um, for the our South Atlantic fans, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals are going to be, um, I believe, Reading United's hosting. They're playing Portland Phoenix. That's confusing. I guess they're the Phoenixes and they're in Portland. Um, not in Phoenix. Uh, they're playing at 7 p.m. on July 20th, whereas the Fusion will be playing the Pioneers on July 20th at 4, and the winner of that plays the very next day, July 21st at 7 p.m. And those are pretty much the two conferences we're going to focus on, but of course there is like two other conferences, and the winners of that will play presumably, it doesn't say here, but I'm assuming next, the following week. Um, 
host for that, I'm sure, will be determined from the four conference winners. Uh, so who knows who will be hosting that. But uh, very much looking forward to that. Ben and I, for the next episode, we'll let you guys know what's happened with those games and if we can watch, break them down. And then I'm actually going to try to go down to South Carolina for the final on Sunday. Uh, I do have some other things i got to do that day. So it kind of depends on how that goes. But I'm going to try to get down there and hang out with them. Um, and then if I do, I'll definitely let you guys know. Maybe I can snag an interview or two with somebody. But um, in the meantime, uh, here is Benjamin's talk with Brad, our wonderful Patreon member. All right. Welcome to another episode of Amateur Hour. This is, uh, I guess you could say, like a supporter uh, for the podcast episode. I don't know if we have an official title for this, but uh, Brad Bukskowski is uh, a supporter of the show. And uh, I thought it'd be interesting just to kind of hear his perspective on amateur soccer, his, uh, I guess you could say, the, the way I told him, his uh, origin story with, with soccer, um, which makes it sound very... Uh, superhero like so but yeah welcome to uh welcome to the show and thanks for taking the time brad yeah i'm, I'm glad to share share my origin story and become a superhero <laughs> yeah there you go this is your moment this is uh we'll figure out when uh the soccer bug uh bit you i guess you could say Ooh, i like that <laughs> yeah but let's uh yeah let's take it back i, I know we've talked about this uh since we're uh good friends and uh we'll tailgate from time to time with greenville fc matches but uh kind of tell us where you uh started with soccer what was your first uh perspective on the game i guess you could say yeah so, so when i was younger i played a lot of different sports um you know, as a grown man, I'm five foot nine on my best day, 170 pounds. So there were a lot of sports out there that were not an option for me. And I kind of soccer was the one sport that I stuck with throughout youth. And then th really what sucked me in was the 1994 World Cup. Like I was still in middle school and they came out with those classic denim jerseys and uh, Alexi Laws with his hair. And I just fell in love with the sport on that World Cup and um, played throughout high school and played for fun after high school. And that was kind of just my real deep dive into the sport and I've been following it ever since. Yeah, very cool. I think, um, I mean, for me personally, I was four when that World Cup was going on and it was well before my origin story started. But I feel like Alexi Lalas is, uh, he wore a headband too, didn't he? Or like a hair tie kind of thing. He did a lot of, the, <laughs> 1994 was a weird time, Ben. You, yeah. don't, you don't remember a lot of it. So uh, it was yeah. a weird time in fashion and sports. But yeah. um, I have my differences with him and his commentary these days, but he was definitely one of my big um, like influences when I was playing soccer. Yeah. I think also because when I played uh, there's not really a nice way to say it, but I wasn't exactly talented. Um, yeah. <laughs> but if my coach said, hey, don't let that guy score, I could be that defender. So I resonated with Alexi on a lot of levels. Oh, okay. Yeah. You see, so you uh, kind of was your inspiration to uh, to go out there and stop the the opposing player as, as best of your ability. But yeah. uh 
but yeah, how did uh, how did you grow to love the game thereafter? Because I want to say that was probably a uh, a really a touchstone moment for a lot of fans with soccer. But but where did your uh, your love grow with it? Whether it be maybe a specific club or uh, just things along those lines. Yeah. So back then, I mean, I came away from that World Cup in the summer, and I was playing in um, middle school soccer at the time. And just played through high school and connected with a bunch of other kids who love this sport that honestly wasn't that. I mean, a lot of people played it as kids, but once you got to high school, it still wasn't that popular. Um, so I connected with a bunch of other people that really fell in love with it. And we would wake up early or stay up late to watch games on ESPN and um you know, buy the posters and we would get the soccer catalogs in the mail. So it was really almost like an underground thing back in that day of soccer that just without that community, I wouldn't have kept the love for it. And I also had some fantastic coaches in middle school, high school um, that really grew the love of the game with me. And I, I can't thank Brad. them enough for staying with me. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought I may have lost you there, but uh, but yeah. So it it definitely seems like it was a, a definitely a growing thing back then. Now I th- we've talked about it a little bit, but um, I believe you you kind of grew to not, to love a certain uh, devil. I don't want to say devil loving club, but a, a certain red devil club in uh, England. Let's <laughs> tell me tell me about a little bit about that story. Yeah, so that goes back to what soccer was like in America back in the day. Um, There are basically two teams that you could watch on a regular basis in the U.S., and that was Manchester United and Arsenal at that time. Um, And it was one of those two teams versus whoever else they were playing with. Man Mm -hmm. City wasn't even in the Premier League back in those days. There were nothing. Um, and so I just fell in love with like Ryan Giggs and Paul Scholes and the whole, like, you know, that class of United fans and became a United fan by default. I had no idea. I was like selling my soul to the devil, to, uh, you know, this huge conglomerate, but I'm a <laughs> fair weather fan and I don't switch teams easily. So once I made that decision, I've stuck with it since. Yeah. I feel like at a certain point. I mean, it may just be me, but once you've got a kid or two from a club, it, it's it's kind of hard to. Uh, you, there's no returning a kid, I don't think. Not that I've ever seen. Yeah. And uh, yeah, once you've uh, yelled at a TV enough times about a, a club's performance, it's uh, kind of just becomes part of your blood, I guess you could say. But um, yeah, exactly. But yeah, and then how was the uh, the the soccer the soccer temperature or soccer scene? Were you in Greenville at that that point in time or were you in a different point of the part of the country? Yeah. So I was in Greenville. I was born in Greenville. Um, I've spent, I'm 38 now and I've spent probably about 29, 30 years of my life in Greenville. I've moved away and come back several times. Um, but there was a lot of youth soccer going on. Uh, but like I said, once you got into high school age, it was definitely not, the coolest sport to play. Um, so there was there's things going on in different leagues, rec leagues, um, a few club teams and school teams, but uh, it definitely wasn't the most popular. Okay, I got you. So it sounds like there was a little bit of uh, 
an underbelly of soccer interest and that type of thing, but it didn't quite boil over into uh, being the cool sport in town, I guess you could say. Now, um, we're, we're going to jump ahead a good bit here, but um, what did it feel like when you uh, when you heard that Greenville was going to get of being, of course, uh, Greenville FC? What was that feeling like? So that was really great. I was so excited. Um, we have had uh, other teams in the past throughout the years. Like we had the Greenville Shamrocks for a couple years. Um, had the Greenville Lions, and they were really bare bone, stripped down type of attempts, and neither one of them was successful. Um, and so when I heard Greenville FC was coming to town, and uh, Marco told me this later on, I didn't realize it, but the first ever social media thing they put out that Greenville FC was coming, I responded to. He was like, you were one of the first responders. I didn't mm. know that, um, until a year later, but um, I was just like, this is a dream come true. I think the league and the format they have going forward is really sustainable for our town. So mm. I just got behind it right away. Very cool. Yeah. And uh, was that something where you were maybe curious how it was going to be considering we've have we've had other clubs in the past or or what was your perspective considering you've been in, in Greenville for quite some time or been around the city yeah so I um obviously anytime there's a soccer announcement around the upstate I I get really excited about it and um I responded to that first thing and then I checked into the league and how the structure was set up with the independent clubs and not the franchise model. And I just thought this could really work in our city. Um, so the more I learned about the team, the owner group, and um, the league, the more excited I got uh, from, like, the more I found out, the just more excited I was about it. Yeah, so it's, I guess you could say it was a, a different spin on the, the soccer sphere um, coming to Greenville, which because if I'm not mistaken, the either the Shamrocks or the the Lions were like the PDL kind of level, right? They were they were part of the USL model and much more uh, along that line, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And I I was only I was actually out of the state for they, they weren't here long, um, and I was yeah. out of the state for part of it. So I don't know all the ins and outs, but it was more. Um, I don't even know if it was called the USL yet, but. Okay. Uh, it was more along that model of club. Okay. Very cool. And then, of course, uh, we won't talk too much about the first season. Um, but how did it feel this last season with with a couple different changes um, coming off uh, a year being the first year, of course, that um, it, at least from, I guess, my, our perspective, I guess you could say, uh, that off the field, it was really successful, I feel like, with Greenville FC. Um, going into that second year, um, being this year, of course, how did it feel to uh, kind of move locations? And, and how did you like the the upgraded uh, venue and things like that? Yeah, that was something that last year uh, we weren't extremely successful on the field. Um, but we the community really gathered around it and I kept in touch with so many people 
um, throughout the off season. And we had this great community behind it. And then when they decided that they were moving to Serene Stadium downtown, most people were really excited, but there were a lot of questions around it too, um, as far as parking, tailgating, things like that. And they ended up working out all of that stuff, like great props to the ownership group and the staff and everything. They did a, a great job, um, free parking, able to set up and tailgate. And then also the quality on the field, like we just, we made a leap forward this year. Um, going from the struggles last year to making the playoffs this year, unfortunately losing in overtime, um, such a close game. Um, but I was really happy with what they did this year and, and also the players appreciating the fans. Um, the players always come over, thank the fans. They spend time with the kids. Like it, they've just created such a great culture. I was, I was really happy with that. Yeah, because you've got how many kids do you have, Brad? Way too many. I've got a bunch. <laughs> um, I've got three boys that come to all the games with me, and then I also mm-hmm. have a, a daughter who's one who she's made it to a couple games with her mom. But yeah, the boys really appreciate the time that the players take with them. Yeah, and and what do you think that means to your? your say influence in some ways but role model more more directly what do you think that means to them yeah so like my boys um like we'll be driving randomly and talking about soccer and they'll just like break out and a chant like he's big he's tall he's paul the wall you know um (laughs) so paul's like signed autographs for them and then toby is another one that is great with the kids all the guys really are but it has taken it from a sport that they really like um to Mm. probably their favorite sport to play um so they've had a huge impact on my kids and plenty of others in the area and just the soccer culture in the area very cool yeah um, and you touched base on this a little bit, but, but how do you feel like Greenville FC, the club has, has dealt with those, I guess, question marks of moving to that new venue? Um, how do you feel like they, cause I mean, I'll be honest, I was in the same boat where I was, I was optimistic, but I, I still feel like you, you never know with a new venue, a new set of situations that are going on, but, but how do you feel like those, um, obstacles were, uh, addressed like as you could say yeah i mean there's still a few things that we need to work through if we're going to stay there long term but um the parking issue was huge and we got free parking plenty of parking within a block or two of the stadium um tailgating issue was a big one and we got the okay to do um all kinds of we grill down there and um have beverages and everything out there we got some food trucks in there um the it's a huge stadium um so that's the one unfortunate thing if you get 2000 people in that stadium you still have room for about 13 or 14000 more mm, yeah um, so making our voices heard in that big of a stadium is is kind of a a big deal, but I think the supporters group did a good job with the drums and chanting and all that. Um, 
there's still a few more issues to work out, but I think overall it was a positive moving to actual downtown Greenville. Like you can go out for dinner or drinks before the game and walk down to the stadium and um, have a good time down there. Yeah, very cool. I think that's one thing that's uh, the biggest positive I took for you from, from that change with Greenville FC and uh I think it did show in some respects. I, I unfortunately was only able to make it to two matches, and and one was, uh, I think it was that first one was the, the weird storm that came through that just you know, threw everything for a loop. Yeah, lightning, thunder, all the all the things. Um, but yeah, how do you see? I'd love to know your perspective on amateur soccer in general in greenville and why do you think it's been successful in its attempt there um considering there's been other clubs that maybe haven't uh, been successful yeah i think there's kind of two parts to it um the first part is that it's npsl in its current form really is a stepping stone league um mm. you know people can come and play college players can come and play for the summer get more experience um play against sometimes better talent than they're playing against in college and get um you know exposure to different coaches and it's um it's a great step for kids coming out of a town of greenville that is growing but it's by no means like you know a charlotte atlanta definitely not a chicago it's not a huge town, but they can then see like, okay, well, if I play here and I play for this club team and then I can play in the NPSL, then maybe I can go to USL championship and further. So mm. I think that's a, a big thing for kids to be able to see. And then also just the community, the way that Greenville FC started and continues to operate is extremely grassroots and community-based. And the community just kind of really surrounded that. The, the people that come, the season ticket holders, the regular attenders, um, the people that come out to the tailgate. I've There are a lot of people that I never met before Greenville FC happened that I now text with, you know, every other day on, mm. the, on the phone. And it's created just this great community around a fun thing to do. Yeah, I think that's not to bring too much of my perspective on this because this is uh, it's about you this time, Brad. But I, I think that's one thing that I uh, <laughs> yeah, just this time is about you. No, but yeah, I think it's I think that's the best thing that Greenville's done. Uh, well, the thing that Greenville's done the best is that they've they provided an avenue for people to congregate around something that's rooted in the community. Um, and, and that's one thing that I can't give them enough praise on is that, I mean, I, I didn't know any of y'all that I've met through downtown operatives and LFC in general. And now it's, it's something where whenever I'm in town, it's, I try to organize my visits to Greenville based on games and based on events going on with Milton operatives and things like that. Um, just because it becomes a, a or it become, I think, really a, a family, essentially. It's It's been really cool just to see that naturally. Um, and then just the different types of people that have uh, 
congregated around each other around the sport, of course. Yeah, it's, it's great. And, um, there's some families, um, and you know, like the Allens and Alexanders, they are just mainstays of Greenville FC. Um, the supporters group would be nothing without them. They do a fantastic job. They're so welcoming. And then there's so many other people, like I could go through a 10 minute long list of people we see <laughs> out there every weekend and yeah. You know, we always love to have you come down and there's some other folks that can only make it to like two or three games a year. But when they're there, it's just like meeting up with an old friend. And I think that community is is really what's going to form the like the foundation of things going forward. Yeah, I think that's another way. That's a really good point there, too, that it just it kind of just feels like a family reunion at some point uh, coming together and watching games and just. It's I, I don't want to say that it doesn't matter what happens on the pitch because it does, of course. I mean, you, you don't want to leave the uh, serene stadium with uh, with a sour taste in your mouth. But it's uh, it, I feel like no matter the results, sometimes it's just really great just getting together with people. Um, and, and I think that's something that Greenville FC has done a, a really excellent job of. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think that just about does it. What one thing I'm kind of curious on um, is the whole idea between because I I've, I know we've talked about it a little bit and we talked about it a little. Greenville FC as opposed to um, supporting the other club in town. I'll, I'll, I'll just say it like it is. The, the Greenville Triumph, uh, maybe the, the pro club, technically speaking. Um, but what made you come to that conclusion, I guess you could say? Yeah, I, I think I heard most of what you said. You kind of cut out just a tiny bit there. But um, <laughs> the difference between, for me, um, when USL was looking to come to Greenville and USL, the league, um, decided to look into our market before there was any kind of ownership group or anything. And they put out um, an online poll and said, would you want pro soccer in Greenville? So obviously as a soccer fan, I was like, yes, I, I would love that. Um, and then the more I looked into uh, the way that they were going to do, the more I looked into the league and how they're set up, the franchise model, um, the fees, and uh, things like that. I was kind of like, mm, that's that's not my favorite. I I don't know how I feel about that. And when Greenville FC came around with the NPSL model, um, I was like, well, I love that model. Um, so I never want any soccer team in the Upstate to fail. I don't wish any bad will on the Triumph. Um, but, you know, having as many kids as I have, like I talked about and having a job and a life and everything, there's only so much effort I can give to my hobbies these days. And mm. so I just felt like the grassroots model, the, um, independent ownership model, uh, the fact that the league doesn't make their money off of franchise fees, um, the fact that there's no chance that, a franchise will pick up and move like Columbus crew tried to do in the MLS. Mm. Um, I support that a lot more. 
Um, so I don't like I have friends that are Triumph fans and that's great. And I have not made it to a Triumph game this season, but I'm going to try to before the season ends. Um, but if I'm going to put my, you know, passion efforts and money behind a team, I just pick Greenville FC because I personally prefer that model of team. Yeah. And I think that's the thing you said about not willing or not wishing ill will on any other club, uh, despite where you may focus your attention on, I think is, is a good perspective to have because I think at times as soccer fans, we get really, cause it's such a close knit community. We get really, I don't want to say, I don't know how to word this, but really personal about things where you, you have to be one direction and you can't, uh, and if if somebody else goes against that, then they're the enemy, I guess you could say. Right. Um, but I think it's it's good to to keep in mind that that wide view that in some respects more soccer is is, is better in general, um, and that hopefully speaking, both clubs can coexist well. I I, I think that's not necessarily a uh, controversial opinion, but. Um, but yeah, um, definitely do want to thank you for for being on the show, sharing your origin story and whatnot. And uh, last but not least, uh, thank you for supporting the show, Brad. I do do greatly appreciate that. I, I want I don't want to speak for Chris, but I think I can in that respect that uh, he thanks you as well. Um, but yeah, it made the uh, the trips around the uh, southeast a lot better. So. Uh, a lot more doable. So, yeah. I do what I can, man. I love listening to the show. I love being one of the seven folks that really enjoys it. <laughs> There's seven now? That's news to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know a lot of people that listen to it. Um, but, yeah, it's I, I just love the show. I love that. Um, I love lower league soccer in the U.S. And I, there's, I know there's, like, such a big argument about the – big broad picture of soccer in the u.s but lower leagues are so fun man you guys have done a great job covering i loved your series with lions bridge and um the other games you've been to and the perspective you give on it so it's just as a soccer nerd i guess i would call myself um i, I don't like to say soccer snob so i'm gonna go soccer nerd um, yes. I enjoy hearing all the trips that you guys make and hearing about these other clubs that are going on in the area yeah, man. Definitely uh, appreciate that. But uh, thank you again. Yeah, my pleasure, man.